Hello and welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Hi, I'm Jillian Foster. I'm our system pharmacy and radiology administrator for Baptist. And today I would like to introduce Alan Spees, who is going to be with us today during the podcast. I've known Alan for several years now, and I thought he would bring some great content to the audience and the listeners. Um, Alan is actually a pharmacist and an attorney. He also has an MBA and a PhD, so he's a long lover of learning and being a student. Uh, currently, Alan is the people developer and culture builder for Summit Partner Services, but I would summarize Alan's career as working with a variety of not-for-profit organizations, and he has been dedicated to serving leaders from the public, private, and social sectors by helping them leverage their passion, skills, and influence for the common good. And so Alan has a great background, and as we talked about on this podcast and at Baptist with our Baptist management system, we've talked about process improvement, but I always think about Alan as um, improvement of self, or how can we improve ourselves? And Alan's taught me a lot about tools and tactics to use to do that. So I know that we will all enjoy talking with him today. Well, Alan, thanks again for for coming on the program. You certainly have a very unique background, and and you know I'm very happy to see another Ole Miss graduate uh, on the call today. You know, after we just came off that win with the uh, national championship for our baseball team, we're all very excited. Um, but one of the questions we always like to ask our guests is, is how did you get into process improvement? How did you get into this, um, in the field that we're talking about, you know, on connecting the dots? How did you get to where you are with your unique background? Yeah, uh, Jake, Jillian, thanks for the invitation. Jake, I'll have to give a little disclaimer. I'm also a University of Oklahoma graduate, so I was so torn uh, during the College World Series, it couldn't go wrong either way. So, uh, yeah. but I had to I had to say that with soft tones, living in Oklahoma. But uh, I was thrilled that that Ole Miss prevailed. It's a great question, Jake. It has not been a linear journey. Uh, as Julie mentioned, I'm a pharmacist by trade, uh, and so it wasn't that I sat down at the age of you know 15 and mapped all this out. But I think a lot of it came from my own experience. As a leader who often struggled with, boy, I think differently, I think outside the box, but I have these crazy ideas and someone in a service-oriented profession who gives so much and yet struggles to get himself, herself filled back up. I think because I work with so many leaders in health professions and I, and I work in so many health professions now with leaders, that became part of, of my call and my passion is how can I come alongside these leaders and help them serve to where they don't get sacrificed as they sacrifice for others? Yep, very interesting. Um, Alan, whenever I think about um, some of the things that we've talked about over the years, and as I mentioned, um, improving self or self-reflection, I remember one of the tools that you've talked to many of the groups that you worked with about um, are the five voices. Um, do you mind just giving a quick overview of what that is? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but you could use your own voice as an example. Um, so I'd love to hear about that again. Yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a communication system. And, and what really came from that is, have any of you ever 
said something in, in, of meaning and you felt like you weren't heard. You felt like either your voice was dismissed or maybe people moved on. And, and I know that's been my experience as a leader. And my tendency in those situations is either to come back louder or to just check out. The five voices system is really powerful because everyone's voice has equal weight, equal worth, equal value. Everyone around the table has the opportunity to be heard, but we speak in different ways. And when we can appreciate not only our own voice, knowing ourselves to then lead uh, ourselves and to lead others, communication improves. Just briefly, five voices. Some voices are very present oriented. Tell me what is. If it's a new idea, is it practical? Is it realistic? Is it doable? Is it likely to be successful? If the answer to those questions is no or are not answered, I as a leader will have a difficult time going along with it. I may have to, given my, my position, but I'm going to struggle. There are other voices that are future oriented. So rather than tell me what is, tell me what could be. What can we improve and innovate? Maybe we create something new. The beauty of the five voices system is we need all of those voices around the table. If you only have one part or the other, you could see where there could be some potential problems. So let's talk a little bit about coaching. So a lot of clinicians in in healthcare eventually will get promoted to a management position. And just because, you know, they're the best pharmacist, they're the best nursing uh or physician doesn't mean they'll necessarily be the best manager or even have that right skill set. So talk to us a little bit about uh, what you've seen in your in your consulting career, you know, from from leaders that, and what sort of things they struggle with and how coaching can help them improve. Yeah, I love the coaching model because every person is unique and every conversation is very different. And the beauty of the coaching is I come alongside that leader wherever he or she is at. But Jake, to your point, I work with very, very intelligent people, high performing people who do their jobs really well, but often might be thrown into, as you mentioned, Jake, a managerial position and, and told go, thrive. Well, that can be really challenging if I've not had that skill set before, but I have this high level of internal perfectionism. I need to be highly competent but I may not know who to go to to share, I don't know what I'm doing. Coaching can really come alongside and one, how are you truly feeling? And so I always tell my, my clients, come as you are. You know, if you've had a bad day, if your air conditioning went out, if you're struggling with an employee, come as you are. But then walking through a process to what Jillian mentioned earlier, there's, there's then an action step. So we always ask the question, so now what? And that's not me telling the, the person I'm coaching what that should be, but through asking questions, that client coming to that place of, oh, here's the next step in dealing with that difficult employee, as an example. Alan, I am familiar with your work and have read some more about that recently. And I know you talk about, yes, coaching. And then let's say that you have coached an individual or you've worked with several individuals for long periods of time, I know. And so what is your thinking around mentoring, but then multiplying? So give us some thoughts about how that can be rewarding or rejuvenating to an individual to then um, multiply what they've learned. Yeah. And 
And the healthy leaders, the healthy cultures are always looking to to multiply. But we all need people that pour into us. And, and when I think of my own mentors, these are individuals with wisdom, experience, knowledge that I don't have. And if they're being honest with me, will help me recognize that I have broccoli in my teeth that I might not see. And we all have that. Um, and, and so that's really powerful for me to, to recognize there are things I don't know what I don't know. Mentors can be very helpful in that. Coaches can be those people that come alongside and then help me walk through, oh, I just discovered some broccoli in my teeth. But as I mentioned, the healthiest cultures look to replicate. And so I'm always looking to who can I empower and create opportunities for so that person can thrive. In doing that, one, it's, it's not only fulfilling for me, but it creates a healthier culture, whether it's in an organization, a team, a family. So you mentioned that, you know, every individual that you might see as a coach is, is different. Um, they all bring, I guess, a unique set of challenges and circumstances. Um, but are there any themes that you have have seen over the years with with new leaders coming up that they struggle with that um, coaching is able to help them identify with? Yeah, and and I would say that it isn't just for the for the new leaders coming into those managerial positions. But what I do see is high levels of internal perfectionism because they're highly competent, they've been highly productive, but now they're in a new role, but they expect I should know X, Y, Z. So there can be a difficulty in asking for help. I should know this. The person I'm asking is so highly competent, they're gonna think this question is, is dumb or whatever. So it, it's asking those questions, um, receiving that help. Another thing that I see across the board is burnout. And, and COVID, it, I think, has uh, accelerated this. Service-oriented professions like ours, anything in healthcare, has always been that challenge. We give and give and give until we don't have anything left to give, and I can't give away what I don't possess. But I think the high demands on highly productive people lends itself to, but I should be able to do it. I'm fine. When most leaders burn the candle at both ends. And so that's a theme of how are you taking care of yourself so you can better serve your patients? For me, the people I work with, that makes them feel very, very awkward. It's the analogy if you're on an airplane and it depressurizes, what do they tell you to do first? Put your oxygen mask on and then help others. Most leaders I work with, when we talk about that analogy, really struggle and wrestle with that because it's like, no, 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 I need to serve others. Absolutely, but not expense of yourself. Yeah. Uh, relating to that, I know, Alan, you shared with me that you have had the opportunity to work with some health systems, um, but also with um, some school systems um, during COVID and sort of post-COVID. So share some of uh, the feedback you had from school administrators, teachers, et cetera. I think it's relevant to healthcare leaders. It's some of what you've already touched on, but specifically what was rejuvenating or what helped sort of um, minimize that burnout? Yeah, leadership is very lonely. And I, I know that is probably a theme that's come out on other podcasts as well. And especially as you grow within an organization, it can become lonelier and lonelier. So if we take public schools as an example, I, I'm talking with the principal of, of a building. So he or she really does not have anyone in that building that they can go to. They're pouring into everyone else, but there's no one that they can, can pour into. 
what I've noticed in my own coaching practice, especially since COVID, is that there's still a leadership element coming alongside uh, as that guide to help. What, what are some next steps? But what I've seen more and more is that these leaders simply need someone where I will listen, where they can talk. It's confidential. I have no bearing on their job, but they are heard, valued and appreciated. I'm not saying that they aren't already, but they have to be very guarded in the way they communicate. When I meet with them, they can be completely transparent and vulnerable. And because this work builds on relationships, which is one of the reasons I love being a coach, that becomes a safe space for them to share. I don't fix the problem. They still have all the challenges, whether it's you know, teachers or, or students or parents, but at least they've had a chance to share what's going on with them. And what I've noticed is that can really go a long way. It doesn't make the burnout go away. But if you think about it, we all want to be heard, valued and appreciated. And as leaders, that can become very, very difficult space. You know, as as clinician leaders, a lot of us came from you know the bedside where we expected to see outcomes in hours or days. Uh, and then we move into these leadership roles and you know the outcomes and problems that we're trying to solve have a time horizon of months or years in some cases and i think that transition can be very frustrating to emerging uh, clinician leaders you know how in your coaching practice do you help them kind of cope with that transition yeah it, it's a great great question and, and it's giving themselves grace because the demands they will put on themselves typically are higher than the demands others place on them. And those are high demands. So it's, I should be able to do this much quicker. And, and then if I don't, we, we call it being a dominator to self. I'll just beat myself up relentlessly. And so giving those leaders that ability to say, okay, you are making progress. Most leaders I work with do not celebrate. They don't celebrate their successes. They also don't celebrate those incremental steps that there are going to be 100 before they get to the goal, but they're not celebrating you know, the first few because it doesn't feel like they're moving down the field. So it's giving them that space. But also in some of the work I do in the team-based uh, leader coaching space, they these leaders hear from others, oh, I'm not the only one struggling in this transition. And that can go a long ways to, to recognizing I'm not the only one. Alan, about that, and that was a great question. As emerging leaders uh, try to be patient with themselves, with their organization, with their coworkers on, you know, what is the right uh, career path for them and when's the right time to make a move and those sort of things. Um, what do you think or how do you think generational differences play into that? I know we've talked about that before, but that I think is something else interesting that we have to keep in mind as we communicate with each other and as we lead people on our teams and as we're led. So I wanted to get your thoughts on differences in generations. Yeah, and, it, and it's a real interesting dynamic uh, in the workplace because we have four generations at times working. And I like to think of generations as a different lens. What can happen, though, is it can be an us versus them, right versus wrong. And as, as someone, I'm 50, so Gen X, uh, I, I look at things and view things differently. And I will tell you, there's times that when I'm working with millennial leaders and now a little bit of Gen Z leaders, 
that I can get frustrated real easily. But why don't you just do X? I can't believe they did. And and that's okay. But the recognition of we do see things differently through those lenses. So so what's the answer? What I find is communication. Um, How do you interpret that? Oh, this is what I need. Oh, I thought you meant this. We come in with different expectations. It's a different lens. And so generational differences can create tremendous conflict. I'm doing a talk next week for a, a a department. And they are wrestling with leadership in one generation, emerging leaders in a different generation. And it's like they're getting lost in translation and it's creating lots of conflict. So what will this work entail? A lot of the work I do, common language around common leadership, just like in all the health professions, whether we're physicians, pharmacists, nurses, we have a common language. It's one of the ways that can help different generations that see things differently Let's create a common language around leadership. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, and we begin to value and appreciate each other's voices. The differences can be a tremendous gift for any team or organization, but oftentimes I see it's that di- it's that division. It becomes us versus them. You know, you know, you talked a lot about relationships and the importance of you know the coach and and the learner relationship, but then just inter-system relationships at your organization, I think, are, are really important, especially from a, you know, an emerging leader's perspective of, of trying to get things done. You can't get anything done without other people. And, you, you know, I think a lot of us from the clinical side, we could do a lot of the work ourselves. If we just physically worked harder, more things would get done. But when you move into a, a management or leadership role, it doesn't work quite that way. And you really do have to work with and and with others and through others and so talk a little bit about how um you can coach i guess uh, emerging leaders and lead and you know not just emerging but other leaders to to recognize that yeah i think oftentimes emerging leaders because they want to appear competent they want to demonstrate you hired the right person or you promoted the right person then i may go into it with i've got to prove myself And this is different than working hard. So improving myself, I may not receive help or accept help or ask those those questions because I've got to have this all figured out. And so working with these emerging leaders and recognizing through the five voices that Jillian mentioned earlier, these are some areas where I'm going to have some deficiencies. These are going to be some blind spots. So what do I do with that? I can hide it, pretend it's not there or try to prove that I've got it or I can collaborate and ask for help. But this has to be relationally based. If not, if it's only, if I only view you, Jake, as a transaction, well, I I need your help check, and I do need your help, rather than relational approach, it's not going to be as lasting. There has to be that trust factor in that. And so when we can learn and appreciate and value each of the voices, each of the skill sets we bring, you think of various health disciplines in an interdisciplinary manner, that's where the synergy comes together. But when it's siloed and I come from a profession that's historically very siloed, we do our thing within pharmacy. We do it well, but we do our thing. That model is just not efficient, especially with all the information available that we need in working together. Okay, so we talked about coaching and mentoring and replicating. Maybe I'll wrap us up by asking about a retreating. So that's that's another thing I know you're passionate about, Alan. So 
retreating to re recoup. And so tell us your thoughts about even, you know, the most high stress, um, high energy individual and tell us your thinking around the importance of retreating. Yeah. And when we mean retreat, first we mean disconnect. And by that, I mean disconnect from our devices. I, I use my phone all the time. So this isn't if I was in a classroom, put your phones in the trash can as I pass it around. That's not what we're talking about. But I found myself and with leaders I work with, we need a change of pace and a change of place. The pace is we need to slow down. You think of the analogy. This is one of the tools we use. We call it the five gears. But if you think of a transmission, we most of us are going fourth and fifth gear all the time. And that could even be at home mentally. I may be sitting around the dinner table, but I'm thinking about that challenging case I had earlier today. How can I mentally get in lower gears? For me, the change of place is really important. So it's getting away from my, my devices, my laptop, from the hustle and bustle. It could be walking in my neighborhood. It could be going for a retreat, as Jillian talks about, in the mountains, which is, which is our favorite place. But is getting leaders to slow down and to, and to recognize, wow, I really am tired. How can I recharge? And then more importantly, how can I develop some healthy practices once the retreat is over? Because we come back to, the, to reality in the real world. How can I slow down? How can I take some time to make sure that I don't burn out? Or how can I spend that extra minute talking to that patient, not just about their medication and what they need, but actually how are they doing? How are they feeling being newly diagnosed with a particular disease. The retreats I find are helpful because they're more than a, just a mere snapshot in time. It takes us time to do the things I've talked about. It's not easy for any of us, myself included, but can I build in a rhythm of getting away to disconnect so that I can recharge? Because what I find is if I'm in fourth and fifth year all the time, I'm going to burn out and I'm going to crash, even though, and most often, those that are really passionate about what they do have that tendency even more. Yeah, I think that's really great. And, you know, certainly I, I feel like it's gotten worse over the last couple of years with um, with with this new medium. You know, we're, we're having this uh, conversation via Teams. And, you know, uh, I remember it may have been 2021 where we had a snow, a bunch of snow so that nobody could go into the office. Um, and usually, you know, we, we would get a snow day, you know, you would stay home, spend the time with your kids. But now it was almost like nothing changed. I just jumped on teams meetings and, and kept going. Um, and I'm as guilty as, as anybody of checking my email, you know, late at night after dinner, making sure I didn't have anything in my inbox or my uh, inbox that I needed to return. And then, yeah, of course, there'd be a question in there that just kept me up at night that I couldn't think about. Or, or that I couldn't put out of my head. And so, yeah, uh, I'd say setting boundaries and and getting a little bit of a, a mental retreat um, is, is definitely something we need. You know, and along those same lines, Jake, I, it's not enough for me to say, OK, Alan, stop thinking about that case. I have to replace it with something else. And it has to be something else at a slower pace. And that could be different things for different people. It could be listening to music. It could be getting outside, you know, playing with your dog, whatever it is. But I can't just say, stop doing that. It doesn't work for me. So there's an intentionality versus being accidental in that. And Jake, to your point, 
I think with all the virtual meetings, the expectations and demands have increased because, well, you're at home. Well, yeah, where else are you going to be? So, yeah, let's schedule another, you know, Google Meet or whatever that is. And so how do I, in the midst of that reality, disconnect? Because for retreating for me on the screen doesn't work. It may for others. That's the intentionality. But, boy, it is sure challenging to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think talking about connecting the dots, I think a lot of what we talked about, while we've said in our Baptist management system, we have all different tools and different organizations call them different things. Um, Humble inquiry comes to mind. Um, That's a concept and philosophy we've talked a lot about at Baptist and some of those five voices and the gears and other things that you mentioned, Alan, or I think are other tools that remind me of of the tools that we use. So um, it was so great to talk to you and and hear about the clients and customers you've had and the industries you've worked in. I think that is very applicable to us. I even think about the communication with our coworkers. It's much like uh, patient health literacy. You know, we wouldn't say hypertension a lot to a patient. We would say blood pressure. And so as we talk to our colleagues and coworkers and the different generations and each other, it's like you said, just remembering to find that common language so that, you know, we're we're most respectable to our coworkers and most productive. But great having you with us today. Well, thanks for the invitation. It, it, it's always fun to get to talk about leadership. And, and the last thing I would say on my end is it's still all about relationships um, and, and building those relationships. And, and we, when we lead with that relational approach, doesn't mean everything's going to go well. But more times than not, that ability to connect goes a long way. So thanks for allowing me to talk about that and other things. Well, thank you, Alan, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Connecting the Dots. Remember, if you find the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for seeing me credit.